This is a test of the Bounty Park Alert System. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of season 3 of the Boundary Park Alert System podcast. We are literally in the final few weeks now. We are recording here on Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to any of Christians amongst us. Um, we are recording bef- the day before we go to Scunthorpe. So hopefully you're listening to this on, on your journey over uh, to Scunthorpe. Let me introduce who I've got today. Uh, no Matt Dean. Uh, I think he's got a double header of evenings, so he couldn't make it. So he's probably laid up in bed. So I've invited on a, a regular past contributor to be my co-host for today. So good morning to Adam Keeley, former PTB. Good morning, you okay? Yeah, good, you? Yeah, good, yeah. It's been a last couple of days, so can't complain. Yeah, nice. It's warming up, Get weather's getting good. Cricket season started, Lancashire are fighting for a draw at the minute against champion Surrey, but, you know... I uh, we've got a regular um, so we've got a, a regular fan guest, uh, uh, someone who we would invite on the regular invitation. Um, I I'll ask him three questions. He's not provided them, but I'm, I've asked him to prepare. When was your first game? So my third, yeah. After you asked me that, I was I've been looking into it because I can't remember the exact first game, but I remember the year. It was 1997. I remember it was Warnock's season when he left. Um, so yeah, so I. Probably from that, I think I imagine that season. That's when I'd have been eight, I'm guessing. So yeah, that's that seems to be my earliest recollection. So let's say York at home, 9th of August. That was <laughs> yeah, start of the season. Um, so that, that is that. Uh, that's the first season in the third tier. Twenty-one seasons. So it was the first of those twenty-one seasons. 97, 98, Is that right? Yeah, that is second division. Thirteenth, we finished. Yeah. Yeah. So the first of 21 consecutive seasons in that division. Um, what's your favourite Latics-related memory? Again, probably showing my age again here. It's got to be, uh, I think, the City at home when we beat them 1-0, Scott, Scott Vernon. Um, yeah, I always when I'm talking to people, I always say my glory years are FA Cup games, which is... And FA Cup games and a few failed playoffs, which is pretty tragic. But yeah. it's more than, more than, I suppose, the recent crop I've got, so yeah. It's, well, yeah, it's at least something. Yeah, it's at least something. Uh, and give us a little, little unknown fact about yourself. Um, I can I play the keyboard. Um, I'm not I'm not done it for years, but yeah, I, I seem to. I played it pretty pretty well till I was into my teens, and then for some reason I found it uncool. But now I see people in bands, and I think why, why didn't I just keep going? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, and this barrel carpets are touring again, and they they they've they've played with a keyboard, haven't they? Um, so what? Um, Another reason we invited you on is, is if you don't mind, maybe um, not embarrassing you too much, but you also made the news because you sold a business not so long ago, which seemed to uh, seem to. Be, what, do you want to tell us a bit about that? What what is, what is it that you you created and sold? Yeah, so from about 2013, 2014, I used uh, it was mainly Twitter, like making parody accounts, and and when Twitter was on its boom, it sort of all the era of jokes and you you. Balotelli parody, John Terry parody, all, all that era was. Um, so I started to make a few at the time, and one thing led to another. Brief, it, it all. Uh, I was working in IT, and because I had all these social media accounts, I clubbed together with two other lads who were doing the same, and we just started to make money from it. Um, we launched that into a business. I would say the best comparisons are like your lad Bibles, your uni lads, your um, 
BBC Sports. Just, just accounts like that, that um, and then just become companies, and you get obviously online monetization, and one thing led to another. And I think we had over like eighty members of staff back end of October last year, and I got an offer to kind of sell my shares to some investors. Um, yeah, so. That's why I decided to to cash in when the time was right. Yeah, yeah good good on you, mate. That's a yeah. brilliant story. I know quite a few people who've done it in in various guises. It's brilliant. Um, I've never had the the balls myself to set up on my own. So uh, you know, I have every admiration for people who have. Just give us an idea of some of the accounts that the people might be familiar with that you were running. So my biggest one was Deluded Brendan, the <laughs> the Brendan Rogers parody. Uh, that was run. That was run like covert for years. No one knew about it that it was me because of the uh, for obvious reasons. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think it's had its day now. I'm hoping to get someone like the Spurs job. It might might give it a, a kick again. But you never know. Um, the slow sports news was the other one, which was the Sky Sports parody tweeting like. Oh, was that you? Was that a new deluded Brendan was you? I didn't know the other one was you. Right. Yeah, um, and then there was various just other ones. Um, like I did a Di Maria parody at the time when he was unhappy at United. Um, and then loads of other ones like that were topical, like when when Raheem Sterling said he was too tired to play. I made like a right a tired Sterling parody that, and but at that point, you could just make them get thousands of followers, and then some like people would just buy them off you for the bigger. So I just yeah I used to make them. I'd just be there on a whatever was topical, making some. Uh, yeah, that was when a uh, Twitter was gold. You could you could literally tweet anything and you'd get followers. It was a it was a crazy time. So. It's, it's it's a brilliant story, and there's there's obviously some skills in there that you've you've picked up, you know, understanding how to monetize social media for for the benefit of a, a business. I, yeah. do, I do wonder sometimes whether um you know Latics or the foundation, or maybe we even touch upon. You can tell us in a bit. I know you very recently got involved in um in the community trust, so maybe yeah. you're going to transfer some of your skills into that environment. That'd be good to talk about. But I've got another guest. Uh, who I'd like to also um, uh, in, introduce. Um, well, I haven't asked you three questions because this, this is an episode we don't do two fan guests normally, but there is a reason for this. But do you want to answer the three questions? So uh, when was your first game? Yeah, uh, so first game I can actually remember um, was the FA Cup at home. We beat Swansea 1-0, Steve Whitehall scored. Um and that was in the, I was sat in the, the Lucas stand, I was only about eight or nine year old, but that's my first, I think I'd been to a few before with my dad, but don't really remember those. So my first actual one where I can tell you stuff is that one. What, a favourite Latics related memory? Um, and this is going to demonstrate how much success we've not had whilst I've been supporting. Um, and it was Wigan away 2003, Wayne Andrews goal in the first 10 seconds. The most delirious I've ever felt as an Oldham fan. Yeah, that was a good day. That was a good day. Yeah. Um, we lost three and, one, uh, but that goal was somewhere else. And give us give us a little known fact about yourself, putting you on the spot a bit. Uh, when I was about twenty one, I got offered a scholarship to go and play soccer for New York University. Turned it down. Nice. Turned it down. Do you regret yeah. that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So you must have been a decent player. So my two fan guests today, I've got Ryan Williams and Gaz Melia. So welcome to you both, gentlemen. Yeah, cheers. Apologies for uh, letting you down every week as well. That's all right. I believe you had you had family stuff to deal with, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. absolutely understandable. Listen, um, so uh, let, let's just let's just check in. Who went on Friday? So Gaz, I know you did. Ryan, were you there? Yeah, yeah, I went. Adam, I watched it, um, but I didn't go. Um, work commitment, so 
let's start with Ryan. What 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 did you make of the game on Friday, Ryan? It, yeah, it it was. I, I think I tweeted, <laughs> and I think it needs putting in the dictionary of t- typical latics. Like you, you just you just felt you just felt it coming that that too, and I think it's a mindset that needs changing from from just top to bottom of this. Oh, it's it's going to happen, and and I feel like I think ones have made what I think. I don't want to sound why I didn't chuck Peter Clark on at 2-1. Like, that's surely the first thing you do. You know, you've got to think, this has happened before, got to lock this game up. But then he's, he's possibly in a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because people would start booing if he chucked Peter Clark on. Negative, you know, like, and then, but then he didn't. And it was like, why didn't he kind of thing? And I just, I think there's some on that, but then it, it's the mentality of the whole team like that. You just have that feeling, especially around, and the fans felt it as well. Like, it was going to happen. And I just don't know how you how you you rid that. Sometimes it's crazy. The other re- so the reason you're here, Gaz, is I'll read your tweet out. This was this was like straight as the game finished, wasn't it? Open invitation for the podcast. I'm free tomorrow. We'll happily come on tomorrow and preach the shite of the opposite side. Call me absolute shit. Come on, yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just here to add some balance. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I think it's really imp- – I'm not deluded, and I understand that it was a dead rubber for both sides. Um, so, two teams effectively on the beach, even though Unsworth said that's what we're not going to be doing. I thought Altrincham were shocking. I was actually really impressed with them when we went to their place earlier in the season, um, but granted they've lost a few players since. I thought they were poor on uh, Friday. That being said um, – I couldn't even at 2-0 up, I couldn't see them getting back in the game. Um, even when they got the went 2-1, I don't know. I could feel it around me, but I, I just thought, nah, it's it, where's it gonna come from? Well, and then it did, didn't it? But um I just think, and I said this yesterday, even at 2-0 up, it were crap. Um I, you graft all week, everyone does, and I get it and we, we choose to go to Latics and spend our money. And I'm not expecting fast, free-flowing Pep Guardiola-style football. But it's dross. You, 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 this conversa- you can just hear four or 5,000 people in and around you having a conversation. They're not even watching the game. It, it's not keeping you engaged. The celebrations when we score aren't that. It's like you're clapping at a six-year-old's birthday party when they've just blew out the candles. It's, it's, I mean, how many were there? Was it nearly 7,000 or just over? Just over. I mean, six, six, that's, that's, un- that's unbelievable. I mean, it were a nice day as well and a bank holiday, but that's, that's unbelievable support. And I sit to the right of the Atleticos and, and they are trying, they are trying, but there's, there's just not much in the way of encouragement for them. Um, yeah, so when the goal went in at two all, I had about I had a mini meltdown at the bottom of that stand. It lost my shit, and I just I know it's perceived as negativity. I know it's perceived as not seeing the big picture. Um, I think the fan base is split. I don't think it's split in half. I think there's a definitely a 80 percent now who would get rid of him. Um, is it the right thing to do? Who knows? But other than we can't keep sacking managers, I'm not seeing 
one reason as to why we should keep him. I'd, I'd, I'm struggling with that. Um, and, and for clarity, I would love nothing more than for it to turn round and for us to get in the playoffs or go up next year because us going up is far more important than me being right about Unsworth. Let's we'll clear that now. But yeah, I just, yeah, I just yeah, really, I'm not, really I'm, struggling with it. I'm, I'm not gonna. I wasn't. I don't know you. You know, I don't know you, so I, I can't possibly suggest that that would be the case. I think it has become this for some people, though. The thing you just touched upon. Yeah. It is now. It has now yeah. become so ingrained in their view that they need Unsworth to fail so that they can be right. Right. They're they're in a position now where it, it, they're, they're so wrapped up in that Unsworth isn't going to be is isn't going to be good enough that that is that that is what they're they're so obsessed with that. Even their football team, like, you know, if their football team's successful, then of course they'll be pleased, but there'll be an element of it that they probably won't admit that they'll have to do it through gritted teeth because they'll be successful with a manager that they don't think is going to be successful. He's got that, he's got that bad. And that, and that for me is a real shame because people aren't seeing the bigger picture. You know, like you, you're, two days later, you're quite lucid and, 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 and comfortable now to say that, you know, you, you've, you've articulated yourself well. But obviously, right after the game, when you're tweeting furiously, if I'd have got a mic in front of you at that point, <laughs> you'd oh, have been, been saying, out, oh, sack him. saying now. Yeah, and I still feel the same way. Sack him, get rid of him. And that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, but like, it's ultimately, we want the club to do well. I'm, like I just said, one of my three questions, one of my most brilliant memories is a goal in nine seconds in a game we lost 3-1. Yeah. There's nothing to shout about, really, is there? Um, which, 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 which one, one, of, one of the things I offer to people when, when they're in the position of saying, look, it's absolutely terrible, sack the manager. I'm like, well, look, you might... So your position... I, I'm, I'm obviously, as you know, because I say it every week, I, I'm not of the position that I would sack him. Mind you, I wasn't a, a shouting for Sheridan's head. And, and a lot of people that I find now shouting for Unsworth's head were the exact people shouting for Sheridan's head at the time, Right. So they've almost like, you know, you've almost got what you've asked for now instead of just waiting and letting it pan out. But either way, if the club have decided that Sheridan is is not not the modern coach that they want, they've gone and saw a modern coach with all the badges and all the, you know, all the skills that, that might be required today. And they put him in place. And those people that don't think he's up to it, of which you're one, might well be right. You might be right. You might be wrong. There is no certainty here. It, it, you, you, you're entitled to your view and your opinion on it from what you see, and and that's fine. But constantly getting on the sort of back of players, him, the the the, the head coach, and being negative collectively is not helping the club um, improve. And the point you just made, which is a very salient one, which is. You know, your most favourite uh, Latics memory is 20 years ago away at Wigan. Like, for me, let's say Unsworth is the wrong coach. At some point in the next 12 months, probably earlier than later in that 12 months, if he is not succeeding, the Rothwells are going to bin him, aren't they? They don't seem like the people to me that are going to hang on forever, but they are giving him a fair crack of the whip. And if, if he doesn't, he'll be gone. So what is another year? You've waited 20 What's another one? Oh, I, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with that. <laughs> um, just on the point of like the negativity in the ground, I'm not picking up on that. I know I've, I've led to believe the main stand are giving him pelters at 2-1 and 2-2, two, two, but 
that's been the same for 40, 50 years, I believe, in the main stand, hasn't it? So that's it's nothing new or because it's Unsworth. In and around the ground before the game, in, in the fan bar, it, it's it's positive. It does feel good. The actual 90 minutes is what's sucking the life out of people. Um, and even when we had this turn of form after Christmas... I mean, it, it, this may just be me with my, you know, my one-sided view or whatever. I, it never felt convincing to me. I still never felt like we were... I don't know. I can pick both sides, can't I? I could look at it and say we played teams who were on a bad run of form, etc. But it just didn't feel convincing. And now it feels like we just, we're back where we were and picking these... I mean, the Chesterfield game was, in my opinion, if he, he would have lost that, I think there might have been a conversation with him. Um, what we have two shots on target all game to their 30 and come away with a 1-0 win we was very very lucky that day um, that's not to say over the years we've not deserved a bit of luck and, and we'll take it as it comes obviously and then the, the game at Barnet was probably the best performance under Rumsworth um, made two great subs um, at half time to change it round for us um, but I just don't think there's a lot of onus going on to pre-season that actually when he's had 35 games, pre-season's not going to change that much. The only thing I'll concede there is that better players might be available. I think you've got to look at the, the trend as well, haven't you? Yeah, in, in the sense that in the National League, we are playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday a lot of the time. So you're not getting into the regular flow of having proper training sessions because a lot of it's all about the recovery isn't it if we're playing that regular so I, I get what you're saying and I, I'm I'm not convinced with Unsworth but if the club want to stick with him I think given where we are as a football club I think they deserve you know the respect of the fans and you know if they think he needs a bit of time I think we've got to bite our lip and just go with it for, you know, the start of the season just to see where we're at because they're not stupid. Frank's a decent businessman who's clearly made a lot of money by doing things the right way. So I don't think he's going to lead us down a path of getting that far into the season that it can't be corrected. I just, I can't, I can't physically see it, but um, I, I agree the performances haven't been great. Um it's, it's 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 for me. We 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 set up. There's a lot of onus on shape out of possession, but for a team that sets up like that, we concede an awful lot of goals, and because we're so um, defensively rigid off the ball, when we get it, we we're not fluid enough for anyone to roam, or there's no real patterns. There's nothing that you look at and you go, "Well, I know that today we're going to stick green." on their left full-back, and the ball's going to be knocked in behind because he's our, he's our outlet of pace. It's just, I don't know, it, it just seems a bit ad hoc and see, see what happens. And I'd have just expected more after 35 games with the with the investment in the background staff. He has had backing on the pitch. I, I'd have expected more. And I just think like, okay, people are back in the Rothwell. 7,000 turned up for a dead rubber. So they are being backed. People are investing in the merchandise. They're buying into the things the club are doing. And still coming to the game shows me they're backing them. But if people want to have a moan, I know you might think it's counterproductive. They, they can have a moan, can't they? 
us having a moan on Twitter, does it do any more harm than people being positive on Twitter does good? Equally both ineffective, aren't they? I think it, it comes massively, I think what you're just saying about then, about the free roam, and I think the best I've seen us play was that game Dan Gardner come on. And who was it against a few months? But then he got injured again. He, he ran the game. Home. Yeah, I think yeah. He, he ran the game and he come on. And I just think if we, it's all about the recruitment. We get a midfielder like Dan Gardner at this level who stays fit for your 30 plus games, it will change the whole dynamic of how we play. At the moment, Shelton and Sharon, it's just like it's two CDMs without the creative outlet. And I say it limits them, it limits the back fourth to what they can do. And the same with, um, Full there, what's he got? Sutton at fullback. Like, if we had a kitchen at right back, two bombing on, that's when your two CDMs would come into play. But you, like I say, you were massively limited, and we, we need a leader like a, a Sean Gregan style player. Well, you could say it's Peter Clark, but that because I think with like a Gregan Peter Clark on the pitch at 2 1 the other night, uh, the other day, we wouldn't have lost that. He, he, he'd have been, he'd have had every one of them by the collar, he'd have pulled them in, and there's just, there's just there is a real lack of who is the. Who's the captain there sometimes? And I, I think it's two or three players. I know it sounds cliched, but I really think it is. So it's spot on that. So how much, Ryan, do, do you put the put it down to a lack of personnel from that description versus uh, what the coach is getting out of the personnel he's got available to him? Yeah, yeah, I know it is hard to know, but like I said, when you saw Dan Gardner come and play like that, that that's under Unsworth as a coach, it, it changed. I don't think he's got the players that he needs to do that. And like I said, he's had his pre-season, mid-season, so you're, ne- you're never going to get the players because I'm hoping, like, look at Mullin drop down to Wrexham. I know he's on four grand a week. I don't think we'll go that extreme next year with, with wages, but there's going to be players from League Two who are no disrespect to your Forest Greens, to teams like that, who we're a bigger attraction. You're going to be playing in front of more fans playing for us and you can back a few or you can, you can get your farm back and I'm hoping we pluck a few of those. You can call them greedy or whatever, but they drop down and just like I don't think much is really needed to get out of this league, and especially if Wrexham and Notts County can both go up, it's gonna it's gonna open it up massively. You think the teams that are going to be in this league next year is probably going to be our best opportunity to get out of it, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, this year with the likes yeah. of Wrexham and Notts County and the money that they're throwing at it, you know. It, it was always I mean, going to be hard. But... Thrown, uh, have they thrown loads at it, Notts County? Um, they got they paid less for Longstaff than what we paid for Nottall, didn't they? I, I'm talking about more of like the money that they've they've had a pretty solid side for the last couple of years and then built on yeah. that. So, yeah. um, obviously, I would imagine with the amount of play because they, they've not got a small squad, but. At the same time, they're probably paying decent whack across the board, whereas I think we're very top-heavy with some and very... like Some of the players in our squad, you like the wind ass and stuff, must be on absolute pittance. But the, I think that can't be easy to manage as a coach either. It's his <laughs> first gig and you've got a squad that big. How the hell are you how, how are you managing all that like day-to-day? Like I said, one all, trim all this dead wood and then... I can't remember the last time we're going into a season with eight or nine already on the team sheet and we only need to add three or four. The, the, every year it's 15 release, 15 in. And like you think of the last shirt I had, obviously as a kid, was a Carlo Corazin. Like, it, 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 I can't think of now as a kid who you'd have on your shirt the past yeah. few years. 
Bamboola was probably nearest you're going to get. And, and he's gone within 18 months. And there's is no long longevity for fans to connect with the players. It's and a great point, hoping, It's yeah. a great point. But it not that, in, in many ways, reflective of lower league football today? That That's what the yeah. Bosman rule has done. Uh, that, that's what finances has done at the lower levels. You know, you, you, you're not going to get long contracts committed because clubs won't afford it. Players and agents don't want to commit, all that sort of stuff. But then in the flip side of that, if you can get a squad together that's got momentum to it and you can try to sign some of you, your, your younger players on longer contracts, then you might be able to build that. And that, that's what teams that are successful tend to do. You know, but if you're looking like, at the stability side, Andy, yeah, it, if it's been done for the players, surely we've got to do it for the manager as well. Well, I mean, it's, this is the point. I, I just want to read this out because it's kind of related to the conversation we're having. So this is this is something that um, Jamie Harrison, who's been a, a guest on the podcast uh, this, earlier this season, posted on a When the Blues. I just I, I'll read it out with all the basic tenet of it because I thought it just hit the nail on the head. Is that the stuff we've gone through for a whole generation? So 20-odd years of it. And we still get people on socials having outrageous hissy fits, stating they won't get a season ticket because they suspect we've made a mistake recruiting the manager we've got. It beggars belief. I know had I bought the club, a party with a you know huge amount of money and effort to try and fix a whole generation's worth of neglect and put in a sensible strategy to run the club, I probably would be well within my rights to expect a little bit of faith, loyalty and patience while I make the decisions to try and put things correct. And if I've made a mistake, then then I could correct them. So, you know, it, it, I, I I just think that hits the nail on the head for me. The Rothwell family, you, less than a year ago, less than a year ago, they still didn't own the club. This time last year, we were facing relegation from the Football League. We had one set of owners of our land in the United States of America looking unlikely to sell at that stage and God knows what could have happened to, to the land further down the line. And you had some absolute morons and cretins in charge of the football club that I wouldn't let run my bath, let alone run a football club. And yet here we are less than a year later where we have all of those assets reunited under the same sort of umbrella of businesses with genuinely competent people running it who've made a, a on face value, good appointment, you know, modern coach, modern coaching staff uh, with experience of working with, with the youth, which some of our fans have now taken a dislike to for, for some for very obvious reasons, because his football so far has not been particularly enjoyable to watch. But I just sort of like foaming at the mouth already and like having, you know, the words I've used before are things like hysterical reactions on, on social media. It almost feels like some people are really ungrateful, really entitled, and really self-centered because we are so lucky to be where we are now. I know we're not, I know we're 17th in the, in the National League, right? That's not good for us, but it is going to get better. You've just got to give them time. If they've made Andy, a mistake, I'm going to have to challenge you on some of that. Go on, go for it. I'm going to have to challenge you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's raging, he's raging. Here we go. I that, and then a few things came on. Um, so, the Rothwells, in, in and around Oldham, very proven, successful business people. They've got an empire. They've done very, very well for themselves. So you've got reasons to have faith that they will make this work. Unsworth, as a manager, doesn't have a proven track record. To me, he's not, and this is only my opinion, he's not the, the progressive modern manager 
that people, I believe, were shouting for in replacement of Shez. Um, the stuff we've seen from the ever you know, your real diehard Everton fans who went to watch the 23s in and out is very, very similar to what we're seeing, you know, quite standoff passive football, um, serious lack of relationship with the fans. So we're only we're only forming our opinion based what on fans, it was under 23 football. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't matter that the football, the style of football, is still the same with what we're seeing, and that's what I'm saying. It's I'm, no I'm, different. I'm picking up on the standoffish with the fans bit because this sort of full rage that we saw at Notts County is not waving at us. Oh, I don't yeah, like no, him, yeah. Well, all right. well, don't please don't misunderstand my point there. What I'm saying okay. is the football we're seeing is the same kind of style. Yeah. Okay. So it's quite passive. It's standoff. Um, very, you know, lack of intensity and. That's been highlighted when they've changed managers and and the pieces in these pieces in really well known you know publishers like the Athletic for example who have picked up on it. They don't pick up stories for nothing, do they? In addition to that, that's what I'm saying. We're forming our opinions based off what we're seeing on the pitch, the results, and obviously the little bits of what we've heard in the past. And it doesn't it doesn't actually fill you with a shitload of faith. It don't fill me with half nearly half the amount of faith that I've got in the Rothwells to turn things around off the pitch. Off the pitch, I don't think there's an issue. I think you you might only find the odd idiot, who's probably a parody account, maybe one of yours, Ryan, actually, telling people <laughs> that the Roy- Darren Royal's got to go. <laughs> but, For the record, um, I don't own Buddy Trev the Executioner and stuff like that. And the, and the camel's jockstrap, that's my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that's where the opinion's coming from, off what we're seeing. And in, in actual fact... When we've got the football we're seeing, the only way, and I said this a few weeks ago, is never going to be a bad loss or two away from people calling for his head is if he wins pretty much every game. And it, it, it's got a very, I was only a young kid, but it's a very similar feel to the Ronnie Moore thing. He picked up results, but it, it weren't good. And the moment, it, two or three games, it, things started to turn. And it, it just feels like that. I think he got off on the wrong foot. And he and he's trying to he's trying to turn around, you know, an air, you know, a massive, massive ship here, isn't he, to, to get some of the fans back inside, myself included. So for me, he, he has to win several, several more games than what he is now for him to to get a free ride in in, in essence, because the football is that bad. People won't tolerate it. Like I said earlier, I'm I, I work in a professional job. I have to be professional all week. So when I come to Latix, you know, I want to get the badge in and have a bit of a, a mouth off at the game if it's crap, you get what I'm saying? I don't want to go and have to be held by professional standards regardless of what I treat, tweet or write on or when the blues. If I think it's shit, I'm saying it's shit. On Sunday the 30th of April, Boundary Park Alert System will be live, loud and beefy at the old school barbecue bus in Hollingwood. Join us for an end-of-season party including special guests, live music, Boundary Park Alert System end-of-season awards, games, prizes and more. Finishing mid-table in the National League isn't something to celebrate in its own right, but the fact that we have a club that is alive, stable and heading in the right direction most certainly is. Enjoy bank holiday beer, beef and banter as we close this chapter together in style at one of Oldham's most unique entertainment venues. Tickets are £15 and available from oifcpodcast.co.uk forward slash shop. See you there. Don't miss it. It's going to be ace. I think you said it within there, though, Gaz. Like you say, the Rothwells are good business people. 
and Andy said it before, mm. if this isn't going right in a few few months, it's going to get changed. They're, they've not bought a club to have us in the National League for 10 years. So yep. something will happen. And I think we've just got to, let's say, get behind and hope it's Unsworth. If not, you know... I mean, just to throw right. one out to you, just to throw one out to the three of you, f- forget everything with the off-the-field stuff and like the, the slow start. What, and other than giving him time, what, one redeeming quality have you seen in him that gives you faith he's going to get us up next year or the year after? Mine, the, again, possibly a bit clutchy, is he's a, it's his first rodeo and I'm hoping he'll learn. Like anybody gets a job, they learn on the job and they get better. If he was a 65-year-old manager who's done this for 20 years, like, a, what was he called, a barn, a Steve Evans kind of thing, you think he's not going to change. My hope is... He's young and agile enough as a manager to change with the right people in place on the pitch. Again, he might be naive, but I think where I'm at with it is I, earlier in the season, I, I was I was one of these having like, issue fits and losing my, my head. And I got to a point where it's not healthy to keep thinking like that. And he's clearly not going anywhere. So it was it was it's wasted breath. It's wasted oxygen. Just a, a little bit. It's, yeah, I just, I just think that's where we're at. And, and like I say, it was frustrating to hear the playoff talk because I think I was a uh, Halifax away. Bradley Knowles was uh, having a, a a piss next to me, screaming, "Hey, they're all, it's all right. We're going playoffs here and all this." That's what Darren's been telling me, and so it was, so. But then, obviously, relegation seemed to become the priority, which we now have. So it's all on next season, really, and it, it, that, that's it. I mean, on a side note, there, you know, like this, this it, at this stage when you've got these good owners and people and good directors and a good board, you know, this is the time for our foundation to be working closely with the board to get the best out of that. And sort of like, you know, I have to say, uh, saying things that have been said in private in those relationships don't always help. And that's where I think being a bit thinking about what you put on social media before you put it on there sometimes actually is, is sage advice for everybody, myself included. I have to check myself sometimes when I'm about to reply to someone. I'm thinking, what is the point of this? Where am I going to get it? Where's it going to get me? It's only going to lead down a, a rabbit hole I'm never going to get out of. So I'm just going to can it. I mean, answer to your question, guys. You asked a very, very fair question. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give it, you know, my my answer, right? Which is, I've seen very little, truth be known. You know, so I understand the position that that, that you and the people like you come down on. Um, there's been fleeting examples at certain an odd game here and there. Barnet away, you mentioned. I, I thought it was all right that game. I was at that game. It was, it was okay. Um, you know, I think the Wrexham home game probably. You know, like those where you see potentially what he might be trying to get out of the side. I've come down on the view through the whole season that he wants to play a certain way. And it, yes, it might be defence first. There's nothing wrong with that. Lots of teams are built on solid defence. But it looks like he wants to play either with a single striker and, and a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2. And he hasn't got the personnel for it. And so when he recruits that over the summer, and when I say he, and I'm going to come back to this because Paddy Howell constantly tries to pick me up on this. We've been told, and I'll repeat it, um, for a millionth time, that the recruitment process is not just David Unsworth's choice. It is a three-party decision, which is the stats department, the scouting staff, and the coaching staff. And what gives me comfort about that is Unsworth isn't necessarily going to get the opportunity just to bring all his players in, and then you f- and then you fire the manager, and a new manager comes in and gets rid of them all and brings a whole load in again, where you go through this unbelievable cycle of you know just regeneration 
is that the players that are being signed are being signed with the club in mind so that a new head coach hopefully could fit into that and get the best out of it in the future. So Going that, off that, Andy, just quickly, how do you think that Sambu passed that test, though? Because, like, what stats did he tick? Like, it was a strange one. What, forget forget, forget Sambu. coming in as a trial, didn't he? Uh, That's what he was using it as, but... I think it's, well, you, uh, could, you, you could, for me, you could say that about uh, like half a dozen of the players, re- really. In tr- truth be known, um, you know, I, I've, I'm I'm yet to see, I'm, I'm yet to see really what what Shelton brings. You know, I, he's all right, tidy enough, but he isn't going to affect a game particularly. Um, you know, you, you could you could pick that, you could say that about a, a few players really. And and the, the the reason why I come down on this, and this is where Simon Faraday wants to pick me up in every week, is. I think we've signed the best that's been available to us this year. And the best that's been available to us this year has been average. <laughs> Whereas in the summer, what will become available to us in the summer will be a whole different league again. And so Ryan's point earlier, we might be able to sign players that genuinely will be better than most players in this division, touch wood. And then Unsworth will be able to set the team up as he wants and will be more progressive, more attacking. And, and all of a sudden, it could be day versus night over uh, the, the change of the season. So by the end of this season, to start next season, we could look entirely different. They've talked in the in the in the um, fans forum the other day about about targeting eight or nine players. Eight or nine. I said a few weeks ago, I thought there would be wholesale changes, and it wouldn't just be two or three players. Two or three, I agree, Ryan. Two or three could make a big difference, but eight or nine could could be could look entirely different. The whole team could look entirely different. We just maybe. Two or three or four players that have currently played now getting in, and the rest of the team being entirely new. Now, if those eight or nine players that look in signing are not youngsters or projects or you know gambles, they are eight or nine you know quality players. This could look totally different next season, and and that's and so therefore to come sort of full circle back to Gaz's question a moment ago is, I'm putting my trust and faith in the Royals and the Rothwells, seeing something in him that we can't see. And and he's got a CV. Well, the Royals are mates with him, aren't they? They're very good mates with him. So the judgment's probably clouded slightly. I'm not. I'm not I, 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 think, I think. I think it's disingenuous and completely disrespectful to say that uh, that Joe Royal, who's like you know, for me, bordering royalty in terms of in terms of our football club, literal royalty, and um, and Darren Royal, who without. Probably the Rothwells probably wouldn't have been involved because he was seeking investment throughout the law. They deserve our respect and time to come to a, conclu- a conclusive decision. I don't think you'll find either Darren or Joe Royal sitting there arguing the toss with um, with the Rothwells if the Rothwells have come to the decision that that he's not up to the task. I don't think they're going to be sat there arguing whilst we're 20th in the National League next season at about November time with them going, oh, no, just hang on a bit more. I think they'll go, yeah, you're right, time's run out. So it's just disingenuous. Do they know each other? Yes, of course they do. And that's why we've got them in the first place. But to be fair, I trust Joe and Darren Royal making an appointment over a head coach versus me and you, Gaz. Yeah, I'm not not entirely sure about the... um... Your point previous to that, though, in that would they get rid of if the Rothwells wanted to? Because the Rothwells have been very open and honest and said that the football side of things is going to be run by the Royals. So I think Frank has been, you know, fairly open and open book with that and said football decisions are made by them. And if they want to stick with them, all right, Frank might challenge them and then accept their explanation. But um, I think you're going to get um, as good an owner as what you could wish for there is perhaps not going to interfere 
But I don't agree owner, with that, Gav. Yeah. No way. Yeah. With, with, with the money that he's putting in, and with him, he's not being funny, he's not a stupid bloke. He's clearly worked hard and knows what he's talking about. There is no way he's going to sit back and watch the club drop and drop and drop. Because. But what did you find him dropping, though? In regards to, like I said, this season, I think that they've already wrote this season off. I'm talking about next year, where if we start bad and he's been given money again, there is no way they're going to keep him. Absolutely no way. It's return on investment, isn't it? He can get involved in footballing matters if his investment is going sour. It doesn't matter. That's business. So. Absolutely. If you, he's, mm. he's put, we, we detailed it last week. He's basically put £20 million up to this football club so far, we think, broadly, yeah. thereabouts. And it looks like there could be more money available beyond that £20 million if they cho- chose to draw down upon it, from what, from what I could tell. So the, the, these are seriously wealthy people, seriously successful yeah. people. They are not going to sit back Do you know and, just... million, and set fire to £20 million quid. Not in a million years. But at some stage, there'll come a point where they'll say, if, if it's not... if, if Next season, clearly for me, we're going to have to be in and around a top seven. And if we're not in and around a top seven, questions will be asked. And, and if, if we are given the budget, just, just on, on, on the Undworth thing, because I think it's unfair that he claps for everything. But in terms of Jeffers and Ebrill, two you know, really high established, well thought of coaches, I've, I've never seen us have a backroom staff that lacks so much presence. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. What 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 are they bringing to the table? Because we've got striker Francis Jeffers was tipped as one of the next big things at one point. You know, big big move to Arsenal. You know, he, he obviously knows where the back of the net is, despite what happened in his career. I've not seen any improvements in our forward play or our strikers. Um, and and Mister Ebrill, um, I'm not entirely sure. Mick Rathbone's got more of a presence than him, but apparently, <laughs> from what I'm hearing, Mick Rathbone is absolutely loved and adored amongst the squad. Um, so we've got to got, we've got to keep him regardless. Well, it was, it was interesting because the the, the Wrexham game uh, away the other the other week. I actually listened to it on Radio Wales just to try and get like a um, you know a, a relative, relatively neutral view instead of listening to propaganda latics. <laughs> so I listened I listened to that and um, they had uh, Kevin Ratcliffe on the ex Everton centre half, and Kevin Ratcliffe obviously will know all of our Everton coaching staff very well. And he said, um, he said at half time, he said um, while, while he was chatting away, that he was having a chat to John Ebrill and Francis Jeffers before kickoff. And he said, neither of them uh, looked like they thought they were going to get anything out of the game. So he was. He, he, this, the, the team looked like that on the pitch. I know. But, but I, I think this is what I think is the situation at the minute. I, I, I think you've got the coaching staff that think that the bulk of that squad is not up to it. And they're, they're damn right, because they're not. <laughs> but they, they've possibly, they've gone to, to the point where they've given that away. Uh, they know they're all leaving. Half the players are leaving at the end of the season are going to try and be shipped out. And you're just in this sort of waiting zone now. We're not, we're not in any immediate danger of going down, because we'll pick up another win. That, that's probably all we're going to need, is one more win, I think. Um, we'll pick up another win, and, and, and that'll be it. So the, we're in this sort of strange period now, where we're just seeing the season out, and then waiting to see exactly what we recruit. And so he, he, the, the, the coaching staff don't believe in the players. The players know that, that the coaching staff don't believe in them. It's just, that's the situation we're in. You can criticise the that, coaching staff for that if you want. But Andy, that, does that leave a bad taste, though, for the players that are going to be here, though, next year? So obviously, I don't if, if, you've got, if you've got management who don't believe in you, and are not... <laughs> oh, <hold on. laughs> 
point as well, though. I think Gunsworth just ran past his car. The recruitment has to be challenged there slightly, then, because I know we're saying it's slim pickings, but actually, in the National League, you can sign people all year round or for the majority of the year. We've managed to get the number one target in Joe Nottall. Form picked up when Reed got a game, but actually Reed wasn't getting a look in and he only got a look in because Fondock got himself sent off. So Unsworth actually fell upon that because he had to. Um, so I think the, re- the recruitment has to be challenged in, in, a, in a sense, even, even if you know, you, you'd know you like to do the bulk of your business in the summer. But even look at the Saturday's team. You know, Norman was signed in the summer. Hogan was signed in the summer. Shearer was signed in the summer. That's, you know, four, three quarters of your spine. So, well, that was Shez. Yeah, and, I've, and I've, I've heard, and again, this may not be true, but those who are going in the summer have already been told they're going. Now, if, that's, if some of them were playing Saturday, that might account for as to why we are why we are. I think, yeah. Can we discuss the elephant in the room in Harry Vaughan as well? This, why has this not been spoke about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been on the agenda the last couple of weeks and it's just been not uh, an opportunity to do it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Uh, give me your view in a minute, but this is what I observed and trying to remain relatively calm about the situation is we've had a series of managers now, three or four that haven't fancied him, not played him. Um, and... They've all given, they've they've all said nice things about him, but talked about your low league football not being suited to a smaller, more diminutive player and what have you, whether that's true or not. And then he's gone to Hull. Now, Hull, like, I don't know whether they do this with all the youth players, but the loving on their social media is literally off the charts, isn't it? Like, happy birthday, Harry. Oh, Harry's got his own peg in the dressing room. I'm like, this is sickly, this Hull. You really need, you really need to calm down a little bit. He's not actually kicked a ball for him yet in, in, a, in a first team game. So he's, he's yeah. they're, they're gushing over him, I, I realise, but they've, he's not kicked a ball. So they, they may well be doing that, but it doesn't mean anything yet, does it? No, I, oh. I just think what, what concerns me with it is that because you're right, the other managers haven't played him, but they've not, their recent history isn't in youth football. So you'd have thought that Unsworth, would, that would have been one of, you know, the apples of his eyes. He would have seen, he would have looked at Harry Vaughan and gone, actually, he's a player here. Because... For him to bring the likes of Sidney Peck and Chapman in, who are a similar age or older, who we can all see aren't as good as Harry Vaughan, it, it, it can't. You know, it, it makes no sense at all to me. I thought part of this with Unsworth when he'd have been, an, he'd, been he'd have had an eye for youth talent, um, and maybe Harry Vaughan goes on to Hull and never plays a game and ends up at Radcliffe Borough. We don't know, mm. um, but I thought he was very quick to dig him out, altering him away, um, and actually. For the few minutes he's played this season, I've still not seen anyone in an Oldham shirt look after a ball better than him. I, I think it was a business decision, me. I think because our, our slim Possibly, pickings yeah. of our youth have been so bad for this fast five. He's been our only asset, and I think I think he was being sold for the last two years. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like this. The thought of board telling managers you cannot use these players and that because we've had all that before. But I just think there's got to be a reason three managers overlooked him. I think they were all told. You know, he's going for six figures for this club and you can put that back into the team. And I don't know, there's, there's got to be a reason. Yeah. There has to be a bigger, again, but we're never going to know, But to me, but I don't know. Shez came out and said, didn't he, his biggest regret is not playing him more. He should have put more trust in him. I suppose Shez would have come out and said it if there was anything untoward, not being a lot. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one. Like you said, I don't think we'll ever no. know. 
Well, I guess we'll find out. Like I said, if he ends up at Radcliffe Borough, it's a moot point. If he ends up at, uh, if he ends up in the Premier League, we should get a decent sell-on fee. So I guess either way, <laughs> either way, it'll, it'll work out one or the other. I mean, of course, we all wanted to see him because he's he's one of our lads, and he seemed pretty keen to play and stay. But you know, a lot of the managers have not not fancied him and not played him, and and it's it's strange, it's difficult to know why. It, it, it's funny because. Who's the lad we had on loan? We had a lad on loan um, from Swansea a few years back, midfielder. Can't remember his name now. See if, uh, Fulton. Fulton, that's the fella. I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he was average in League One at the time, wasn't it? I thought yeah. he was average, and then he went on and had. He went and had a great career at Championship level, and I'd have never backed him to be yeah. a Championship midfielder. And it, and sometimes I do wonder whether in lower league football. You know, some some of these players that that keep the ball nice and tidy and pass it well, and and but don't seem to affect much at a low league level, seem to do better in a championship where it's possibly more technical game. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but I guess we'll find out in time. I was having a good chat to a mate yesterday. He's massively involved in City's youth setup, and he's saying now with the, with the facilities they've got at the Etihad, they can change weather, they can change pitch length, they can change humidity, they can change altitude. They do everything there. And even every single one of these youth players are all on cocktails of vitamins of this for this body mass, that. But And then they come and they come out to a club like Oldham. It's like, well, where, where's my protein shake? Bugger off, you're going training. It's like, <laughs> it's, there's such a big discrepancy between the top and the bottom level now that some players can't cut it lower league because they don't have all the... the you, you go over to the Liverpool debate all this that they do with all the bloody... Um, the asthma sprays and all stuff like that, but the sports science in the higher level is absolutely crazy. And that, I think that's why the loans don't yeah. happen much anymore because they're sending them out to worse conditions, essentially. Um, yeah. like I can think back to Kilkenny, Lee Croft, uh, people like that, coming down, absolutely tearing it up at our level. And now they don't, these youth yeah. players very rarely seem to do that now. It's like well, you struggle. Make, if you remember a few years after that, I think the change you could feel, we had um, Andrea Mancini and yeah. What was the other Scapuzzi. one? Scapuzzi. Scapuzzi, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and they just didn't like it, did they? didn't fancy it. Um, what was, what was, there was another lad that, that went back to City as well we had for a while. He was um, Eastern European. Who was he? Oh, he's gone on to Alex Plummer. Career, he? No, not him. Not the fullback. Uh, oh, yeah, was, I know what you mean. Yeah. He, Eastern European player. Is he that, went to uh, Raziak. Is he called Raziak? Raziak. Yeah. Albert yeah. uh, Rusniak or whatever it was. And he's he's had he's gone yeah. for a decent career in the MLS, but he, he went back with his and spat his dummy out, didn't he? Because it was uh, the conditions weren't up to it. I think that's just the way it is. Yeah. Right, listen, we're running out of time. I've got I've got two fan guests on here. I can squeeze an extra latics mind in. Anyone fancy it? Ryan, it should be your it should be your uh, honour. You were the you were the original fan guest. Do you fancy doing latics mind? Yeah. Let's give it a go. Yeah. On the night Latics hammered Scarborough seven nil. We all know that Frank Bunn scored six, but who scored the other one? Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> Is that a pass? Yeah, pass. Who scored Latics equaliser against Blackpool on Boxing Day 2002? Not a clue, so was it? 
was Will Haining. Uh, who scored? Uh, who uh, who both scored on their debut versus Notts County in 2012? You give me one of these, and you get the answer. 2012. God. Um, I think I'm Tunkara, but I think I'm out here or there. Is uh, either Matt Derbyshire or Jose Baxter? Oh, yeah. Who did Latics draw nil-nil with on Boxing Day 2007? Oh God, Jesus! Um, <laughs> Bristol Rovers, not clue. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Who became shirt sponsor in 1998? Oh God, JD Sports. No, Slum, Slumberland. Where did where did John Holworth save a penalty on Boxing Day, nineteen ninety? Not a clue. Pass. That was one. <laughs> <laughs> Who did Connor Ripley save two penalties against in February two thousand and seventeen? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh. That was there as well, yeah. That was it. That... Oh. oh, the clip was online a few months ago after he. Oh. Yeah. yeah, pass. <laughs> pass. Right. So you scored Zero. none. <laughs> you scored none and you had three passes. Your three passes were on the night Latics hammered Scarborough 7 0. We all know that Frank Bourne scored six. Who scored the other one? Gaz, do you know who it was? Pass. Andy Ritchie. Uh, oh, where did you say the one. penalty in Boxing Day 1990? It was away at West Ham. And who did Connor Ripley save two penalties against in February 2017? It was Millwall. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, but before we do, tell us a bit, Ryan, about um, about your your recent involvement in the Community Trust. What what, what are you doing there? What, what are you going to be doing? Yeah, so I, I met up with, after I sold the business and the, the press was around, I met up with Martin um, a couple of times up at, Latics just discussing so they have to, after just a bit of help about their their media their online presence a little bit um and just some some fresh like forward thinking of ideas of how to get the kind of the scope of what they're doing out there because it would think it was safe to say under mr abdallah um it the community trust was overlooked should we speak because there's a lot of things at the club but oh. now under frank they're, they're really aligning and frank's really behind wanting to obviously expanding to the community so I thought it was a really good time to to get involved in it um so yeah help just help them just get and, so, and so, some of your skills obviously that you've you've picked up over the last last few years are going to be transferable into that space so that's brilliant uh, you know is it a, I guess it's a voluntary role isn't it I yes yeah, yeah it's voluntary on a trustee for yeah um so so yeah so I'll just give my my time so I say it's the third first board meeting in a couple of weeks and I'll get a real good rundown of what things are going and what projects and where I can really yeah lend my hand hopefully so well that's brilliant i mean would you would, would you be open to coming on again in a maybe next season and telling us um you know what what you found out and what the, what the community trust trust are up to maybe come on with martin rose as well and just tell us a bit more because we haven't had the community trust on yet and we'd like to learn a bit more about what's going on and, and make sure that people understand the great yeah. work that does go on in the community no definitely as you say yeah well, yeah 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 well, yeah well, it's a uh, positive yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, so, yeah, no, um, congratulations for getting involved and I'm sure you'll be a success at it if uh, your business successes have been anything to go by. 
Right, so uh, I'm going to wrap up now. Uh, so thank you to Ryan Williams, Gaz Melia and Adam Keeley for coming on today's show. Uh, enjoy the trip to Scunthorpe, those of you who are going, and we will see you next week. The Boundary Park Alert System is hosted and produced weekly by Matt Dean, Andy Halliwell and Dave Bradley. A huge thank you goes to those people who already subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you all and if you'd like to help us out financially, please visit oafcpodcast.co.uk and click support or find the link in the show notes. It's only $2.99 a month to subscribe, but if you'd rather make a one-off donation, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash oafcpodcast or click the link on our website. Please follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at OAFC Podcast and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash at OAFC Podcast where you will find the Latics Football phone in with myself and Dave Bradley live every Wednesday from 8.30pm. We'd like to thank Arlene Finnegan for writing our excellent weekly blog which we encourage you to read on our website every Saturday morning and thanks also goes to Paul Prentergast for providing us with all the Latics Mind questions. The title music for the show is by Manchester DJ and producer Starion and for more information visit bandcamp.com forward slash red laser records you can help change the game by listening to us on the fan hub app along with all major podcast platforms please like subscribe and review the pod and help us climb the rankings to get more listeners wherever you listen thank you for listening and if you'd like to be a guest or contribute to the show in any way we'd love to hear from you see you next week